Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Now batting, number one in our hearts. At least he'd like to think so. It's the Jim Day Podcast. Hi, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Jim Day Podcast. Thanks for clicking on us, and we've got a treat here today. we got some big names out there that are diehard Reds fans, and this is one of them today. And I go way back with this guy, back when I used to cover him when I was just a little pup of a reporter, when he was the captain and the quarterback of the Ohio State Buckeyes, wearing number four, and then he kind of delved into broadcasting, and I remember him working on a Sunday night show in Columbus where he's like, I'm kind of interested in this broadcasting thing, going to give it a try. Well, he's done more than that. In fact, he's become one of, if not the preeminent voice of college football in this country. He is Kirk Herbstreet. Herbie, how are we doing? Doing great, man. How are you? Hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. It is great to hear from you. Great to talk to you. And, uh, yeah, we go uh, way back, back when I had some oh, really man. bad hair and – uh, yeah. Oh, you were great. We had we had a lot of fun as players. You know, we were lucky. Uh, and I I know once I got into the business, uh, how competitive the media coverage is. But um, you know, you were always great. What was your um cameraman's name? Brad uh, Davis. Brad, I loved Brad. He Brad cool. getting a mention on the podcast. I love it. He'll he'll love it. Yeah, that. I loved Brad. He was awesome. Yeah. Um, and then Moose and Dom and those guys. Oh, yeah. as, as players, um, you know, you go to a school like Ohio State and college football, it's really like playing for the Yankees and, yeah. and MLB. I mean, yep. you, you know, you, you get done with the practice and you got, if you're a captain or, a, you know, a player that's, that's being asked to be interviewed, you got, you know, Toledo, Dayton, Cleveland, two or three Columbus cameras, you know, you, you've got eight. 10 cameras in front of you and oh yeah and think about all the the, the writers and um i mean it, you're dealing with you know a, a lot of hysteria for uh for a guy you know and right now you know we see that all the time in a lot of these schools because the, the world has changed a lot but man i'll never forget that that honestly probably taught me how to do get into media more than anything was just talking to you guys in in the media and, and being asked questions and just being getting comfortable with that because i didn't study it in school yeah, and we had to ask the tough questions. Although we we were pretty much softball media. You guys Columbus. were cool. No, yeah, we were softball <laughs> you, media. You, you, we, you, you saved the tough ones for Coop. <laughs> you know, there's no doubt about it. talking about John Cooper, who was the head coach at the time 
Oh man, that poor guy. We we wore yeah. we wore him out in those those press conferences when he, he I would felt bad for him. lose to Michigan. Yeah, yeah. but he what a you great what, what a great way, guy Coop is. He stayed in Columbus. I mean, everybody. Yeah. I mean, they just like in the movies, they put signs in his yard to move and get out of here. We yeah. hate you. you know? Oh yeah. And Coop just killed him with kindness. He did. And he's become like the grandfather of Upper yeah. Arlington. Like yeah. Everybody, he's out. Put, you know, with his grandkids, taking walks, people honk the horn, wave to him. Like he's he is beloved in in yeah. Columbus and and especially in Upper Arlington, just because of the way he handled all that that nastiness and, and yeah. negativity. God bless him, man. There's a good lesson there for all of us. Well, when you look back, um, you know, God love Earl Bruce, and uh, I loved Earl Bruce. May he rest in peace. Uh, but there was a run there where the talent level wasn't as high. And John right. Cooper, you can say what you will about the win-loss record against Michigan and not winning a national championship with all that talent, but he brought NFL-type talent. He turned that Ohio State program around in that regard and set it up for Trestle and uh, Urban Meyer. 100%. 100%. It was – It was. Um, you know, he, he remember he made some comments because he just wasn't used to – what I talked about earlier, you're playing for the Yankees. You know, he was at Arizona State, and he's he was at a lot of other places. But he he wasn't used to, you know, the the heat of of being the head coach of Ohio oh, yeah. State. You know, he did he did um, made some comments that were like, whoa, yeah. you know, I can't believe I can't believe he said that. Yeah. And then he did some commercials, you know, and you know, the hot tub just, commercial wasn't a hot good one. Hot tub commercial with his family and the big bear <laughs> hug and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, every time he would lose a game to Michigan, oh. man, they just came out of the woodwork. Oh, just crushed Going to pound, pounce on him. But Ohio State's obviously turned it around with Trussell and Urban and now Ryan. But it's yeah. it, they're on a pretty good run. But let's talk Reds baseball, man. My, yeah, my let's do it. Yeah, you're, you're bringing me back into the memory banks of uh, my Ohio State fandom there. Yeah. Before we get to the Reds, let's, uh, the obvious question, how, you know, you're hunkered down with the family. Yeah. Um, how's this situation been for you i mean you know like you and everybody just just um trying to figure out what's going on i mean i i've never really been a a a big fan of politics i don't really i don't follow it it's especially now it's kind of a bunch of craziness oh yeah and i don't because of that i don't really watch the news so i'm i'm pretty much an all sports guy like before this well when this thing hit, I started to kind of I, I want to keep up with Dr. Fauci and what's going on. And, man, it, it is bizarre. It's like living in, in different countries when you watch the news. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's the way it's always been. But you turn on Fox News and it's like, here's one thing that's, ha- you know, here's their side of the story. And then you turn on like CNN or MSNBC and it's like, are they talking about the same thing? Because oh, yeah. <laughs> it is blowing my mind. Oh, you're um, preaching to the choir here. That's why I try not to talk about politics publicly or news coverage, uh, national news the, coverage publicly, because you don't know. Who, people get so offended by it. I just don't even well, want, but, but don't even I, want to deal with it. You and I grew up with with like Tom Brokaw, and before that, you know Walter Conkright, and like We're, when, real when journalism. Talk, like yeah, when they talked about the news, it was like here are the facts. It right. wasn't opinion it was driven. Yeah. It was just here's what happened today. Right. And right. You could count on it. And man, now, and it, you know, I, I, I guess you and I are in broadcasting. I, I, if, if I were ever in the news, I would, I would quit. Like I, 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 
I would never want to be associated with that because yeah. what happened to uh, – because I think, unfortunately, that's how people consume information. And a lot of it is just conspiracy theorists or agenda-driven or bipartisan or – or, or partisan driven and it's just it, it's it's very frustrating when you're just trying to find out what in the heck is going on so anyway answer i don't question. know who to believe i truly i don't, I don't know what to believe i try to just formulate my own opinion listening to varied opinions like you're talking about and it's yeah, very and very I, hard it's frustrating I, and i'm not really a starch you know i'm, I'm a big time conservative or a liberal i'm, I'm kind of like i just kind of float in the middle and I'm one of those guys that's like, oh, yeah, you bring up some good points over here. And, oh, wow, I didn't think of that. That's a good point. That that That's like – that's from 1960, having uh, thinking like like agreeing with people on both sides. And so I think the reason I bring that up is it's – it's it, when you when you have a family and you have a wife and you have four kids and you're trying to understand what's happening, it, it, it does make it very hard to know, you know, are we allowed to go over there? Are we – can I, are my kids allowed to go over to a friend's house? So we've we've erred on the side of really hunkering down. Like we've we haven't done. We've been here since middle of March. My kids, I have two that are at Clemson. They're back home. I have a junior in high school and a seventh grader. All four boys, and we're all just we're here. You know, we try to get out, and go to the park, walk in the woods with our dogs. You know, I'll go to the grocery, but for the most part, we've not been out doing much of anything. And um, you know, it, it, there are so many different things you could talk about, our gratitude and appreciation for the doctors and the nurses and EMS and people on the front lines that are sacrificing their lives every single day. And not to mention, you know, imagine if we didn't have food. You know, the people that the truck oh. drivers, the people that put that stock the shelves and put the food out there. Right. Um, the people that work in these factories that provide for us, it, it, it really Something, some things you never really even thought about. Say, just take for granted, um, and all that stuff's the first priority for all of us as Americans. But I think if you go into our little, you, me and you and sports fans, our little cubby hole, God Almighty, do I miss sports? I mean, like, like you, Jim, like it's it's not just baseball or NBA playoffs or NHL, college football. It's everything. You know, I I I, I consume so much. Yeah. And when you, when you eliminate that, um, it leaves a major hole in your life, you know, as far as what your interests are and what your hobbies are. And, and, and it makes you really appreciate sports that much more. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I would take a soccer match for background noise right now. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said, I think NASCAR is starting up. I'm like, I've yeah. never seen a NASCAR race, but guess what? Sign me up. Guess I'm watch <laughs> yeah, it's, it's competition. <laughs> it's something live. We don't know the outcome. Like watching these old, you know, when they started rebroadcasting all these uh, sporting events that have happened prior. Oh, yeah. You know, it was cool I, at first, but then I'm like, I know the outcome. I, I, I need yeah. some tension. I need, you know, I need bases yeah. loaded in the ninth, and you're trying to hold on to a lead. I need some, you know, some drama. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was cool what you guys did with uh, going back to I think it was seventy six World Series or yeah. seventy five World Series. That was really it was cool to see Marty. And what was interesting, I didn't realize I was only five at the time. I didn't realize 
that the play-by-play guy of the home team, yeah. I, I think that's how, like, they would get a couple innings on yeah. the national broadcast. Oh, yeah. Kirk was... that, that was incredible to oh, hear it was, that. It was very, it was interesting. And to hear Marty uh, talk about that. In fact, he's talked about that on this podcast. Um, yeah, he also did national radio, the local guys, in those yeah. series. So yeah. it was way different back then, although... You know, I loved Kurt Gowdy as a kid, um, the stuff that he did for ABC yeah. and, and National. But, man, he was a big Red Sox fan, and you could tell it. Oh, It was yeah. like the last out was like, and the Reds are yeah. world Hell. champions in 75. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah, he was a – but, dude, I remember being a kid. He was a USC guy, too. So if Ohio State played USC, he – he was not a fan of Ohio State. I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it funny what you remember? Oh, absolutely. You know, or, or, or your yeah. perception of of, uh, yeah. of what you think broadcasters are, are thinking. But, yeah, <laughs> Gowdy was a legend. I, I texted Marty, like, was he a good guy? Or He said he loved uh, – He loved, he loved him. With him. Yeah. Loved Gowdy. said he was a great guy. Yeah. 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 I've heard that Yeah, I, I've before. watched the 88, you know, Kurt Gibson home run, 86 Mets and <laughs> – and uh, Red Sox. I mean, it's MLB is, is MLB and NFL Network and some of these conference um, networks like Big Ten and SEC. That that's pretty much all I've had to watch uh, yeah. these last eight weeks. Yep, we're about ready to bust out the '76 World Series. I think we just did the '90 World Series, which was great to look back. Yeah, on. I saw that. Um, I was there. Greg Fry and I drove down for Game Two. Um, in '90. Yeah, that was my favorite game I've ever covered. Yeah, man. Game yeah, we two, Joe Oliver, the walk off hit. Yes, and Bill, was it Bill? Was it Bill? Ba- Bill Billy Bates. Bates. Billy Bates from Texas. And Nuck's all um, going nuts on the call. Billy Bates yeah. scores. He actually used Marty's call here. Billy Bates scores. On, that's what walks the rats. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so many. And and I just remember Ed hitting. That bomb to center in game one oh, against yeah. Dave Stewart, who was so good. He was coming oh, yeah. off MVP of the ALCS and just so intimidating. And yeah. they looked, they came into Riverfront like, who are we playing? Well, man, <laughs> they gave the Reds no chance, not only no in the chance. World Series, but against the Pirates of the, no in chance. the National League Championship Series because yeah. the A's were, they had won the World Series the year prior. Oh, yeah. They had oh, the Bash yeah. Brothers and they had Dave Stewart and they had Eckersley and they had LaRusse as the Eric manager. And Davis with one swing of yeah. the bat. And Ricky Henderson. Sad. I mean, the list goes on. Oh, you, they were loaded. They were totally they were loaded. loaded. So if they were talking about a sweep in 1990, they had, oh, the A's are going to sweep the Reds. The Reds have no shot because the Reds yeah. got out to that. You know, they hit the ground running in the regular season, but then they kind of play around 500 ball the rest of the way. So they figured that yeah. the Pirates with Van Slyke and Bonds and Bonilla and Drabeck and oh, Leland sure. as the manager, that they were going to beat the Reds too. You ask the players on that team, and they they say beating the Pirates was tougher than well, beating you, the A's. you remember Paul O'Neill threw out, I think it was Andy Van Slyke oh, yeah. on the third. That was Great like a third. turning point in that series. Yeah. And it was like, oh, my God. Like this might really happen, like yeah, because yeah, I agree. The pirate, the pirates were loaded um, that year. Not a whole lot of people thought the Reds would get by um, the Pirates before they even thought about the unthinkable. Take, I remember seeing Jose Canseco in, in person. This is like, this is like just 
scratching the surface of the steroid era because Mark McGuire, if you look at him in that uniform and compare him to what he looked like oh. in the late nineties, I mean, he's like a different guy. Yeah. And same with bonds, by the way, in that pirates uniform versus what he looked like when, when, you know, so it was just the beginning of it. I just remember how tall and athletic Jose Canseco oh, yeah. looked, you know, like, I mean, the way, he looked like he was playing on a little league field. You know, like that big eighth grader that's like, mm-hmm. can we get a birth certificate on this guy? Like, how 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 old is he? Is he allowed to be in this league? Yeah, I mean, like he looks, <laughs> that's how he looked out in the right field. And I mean, remember uh, the fence? Like, you could rob home runs, but he would go back to the fence. It was like his head was at the top of yeah. the fence. You know, everyone else had to jump up there, and he was just a before he got into big time steroids, he was a a massive athletic dude, even to begin with. Yeah. And interviewing Lou Pinnell in the years since he had behind the scenes predicted that they were going to win. He was very confident that they were going to beat the A's and asked him why. And he's like, well, we had power pitching back then and they had a bunch of big looping swings. That's interesting. You kind of look at it and the middle of their lineup did. Conseco had a big swing. McGuire had a big swing. Even Ricky Henderson at times. Had a big looping swing, Carney Lansford, maybe not yeah. so much, but um, yeah. he's like, we're we're going to beat these guys because we have power pitchers. If we get to the seventh, we get our starter gets it to the seventh, it's over. The nasty oh, boys. It's over. Yeah. So yeah, it, that, remember those days, man. All you had to do is get to the seventh inning, and it was like, all right, we're good to go. Yeah. How fun was that team that year? I mean, it just kind of came out of I don't want to say come out of nowhere because they finished second four years in a row, but. To go wire to wire and then to sweep yeah. the A's. I mean, how fun was that to watch? Yeah, it was it was incredible. I I think I remember that we were I think Ohio State might have played Boston College. Um and I just remember being at we were on the road in Boston and we had a meeting. We you know we flew into Boston, bus to the hotel had a meeting, all all I'm thinking about, I'm looking at the clock like you know, let's go, let's go. I was a, like a I think it was a red shirt sophomore and all I cared about was the reds. I want, I didn't want to miss first pitch. You know, I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like listening. Uh-huh. 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 Yep. 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 You know, just get my ass upstairs into the, ele- uh, into the elevator and into my room and just no one touched me. No one talked to me. Like, I mean, I, you know, you don't get to the world series very often, you know, right. I, that might've been game three it was definitely out at Oakland. I don't know if it was game three or game four, but um, yeah, that was an awesome team. Awesome. Big fan. I like guys like Hal Morris, obviously Lark. I mean, it was the way Billy Hatcher, Mariano Duncan, the way they played. I mean, they, every, they just put it all together, you know, in the postseason. It was fantastic. You you, you and Greg Fry, who was yeah. former Ohio state quarterback, you drove to game two, you said. Yeah. Yeah. He was a St. X guy. Oh yeah. And, um, um Cincinnati's he, finest, Greg Fry. Yeah, yeah, and he was a he was a big Reds fan, and uh, you know, for me, that was, you know, and we'll talk about this, but I mean, I, I I'm I'm as big a Reds fan as I am of anything, and and listened to every game, probably since the time I was seven or eight years old. I, and that's all you really do, right? I mean, and, yeah, and and so when they finally get into the postseason, I'd say finally because. You know, now I look at it like little did I know what finally really meant. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> like you said, every year it was second, second, second. If it were, if they weren't winning yeah. the division, they were at least you know around 
making it interesting. There've been some pretty lean years since then, but yeah. Um, I, I, that for me, when we came up with the idea to go down there, I can't remember if we scalp tickets or somehow came up with a couple tickets, but what I used to do is I would buy the, the top six for like three bucks and I would stand behind home plate. I, I would always stand at the very least behind green seats uh, behind home plate. And the, the ushers were pretty cool about not chasing you off. Occasionally I would come up with a scam where I'd have a blue ticket from a previous game <laughs> and I would just kind of flash it, you know, as you, like, you, yeah. know, you know what you're doing like, oh, yeah. as a teenager, you know, you just kind of, you just kind of flip it. And it's, meanwhile, it was like a game from three months ago. Uh. And if you were really confident on how you flipped it, they would just kind of wave you on. And I always tried to time it where they were like looking at like five or six people. And I would just kind of like be part of that group and just kind of raise it up. And, and then you're talking about standing behind, if you standing behind home plate in the blue seats. And, you know, you, if it was too hot, you had that bar area behind you, where you could go in the air conditioning, right. and you get a little, get a little breather back there. Um, but that, those were the best seats in the house behind home plate. Uh, in the blue seats, that, that was about as good as you could ever hope for. Well, how times have changed because now you you know you get a ticket, they'll say I'm in section 131. I'll be like, where's 131? <laughs> back then, you'd say, hey, I'm in the I got a ticket in the blues, man. You're in the yes. blues because yeah, riverfront, you know, the blue, oh, the it. green. Then they had a little yellow yeah. there, a little club section, and then the red. You know, if you're like, yeah, I got red seats out in right field. Oh, dude, you're way up there. Yeah, <laughs> right. Or, or like you know, you'd you'd be like, dude, did you hear that Parker hit one in the yellow seats last night, or yeah. something like that? You know, like it, like everything was based on he hit it in the green seats. Yeah, no, 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 no dude, he hit it in the red seats. Davy Concepcion put one in the red. Then you'd go to the stadium, you'd look all the way up at the red seats, and you'd be like, oh my god, oh how yeah, did, how did he hit it that far up there? Yeah, you know, like absolutely, it, especially when you're. 17 18 19 20 21 it was almost mythical to think about dudes hitting it up but that's how you gauged if a guy really laid into one yeah is if he got it up into uh into the yellow seats or, or the red seats yeah ah uh, i love even it. the green seats by the way to left field that's a poke i mean that, that, oh no that doubt was, no doubt was, about it that was a towering shot yeah. to hit one into the green seats and left or left center man i loved riverfront stadium i mean you look back now and they call it a cookie cutter and the astroturf turf uh was a novelty then i thought it was cool yeah. and bright i did too and majestic i, I kind of then again it was when we grew up but yeah i i liked that era personally you know the expos the cardinals the phillies the reds i I like small ball, and I grew up with respecting uh, that kind of game. I'm not a big fan. You know, once we went to the designated hitter, and I look at the American League like almost like a glorified softball league, you know, where it's yeah. like you get done playing real baseball in the National League, you want to hang around for another for three to five years, go be a DH and right. go play in the American League. You know, I, I like it where you have to be more athletic. The manager's got to think about a double switch in the eighth, ninth inning. You know, you're thinking about, do I do I pinch hit here for my pitcher? He's pitching really well. I just think there's more strategy. So I used to always love National League Baseball and some of those Expos teams, even though you wanted to beat them. But, you know, think about those teams that they had. I I, I loved, like, Tim Raines. And, oh, yeah. Wallach. You know, Andre Dawson, Tim Wallach, yeah. Even UL Washington was was on that. Some of those teams, those were, and then Gary Carter. 
before he went to the Mets with yeah. uh, with the Expos. Sure was. So it was a, that. Yeah, I'm 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 a, I'm a uh, I was a fan of of Riverfront. I was excited when they built Great American Ballpark. And I think because we haven't had a ton of winning there, maybe it it hasn't quite generated some of the same memories. Right. Um, and hopefully down the road that'll that'll change. But I, it's a beautiful ballpark. I mean, you're you're there every night. I, I love going there. I see it, you know, when I go down there. But um, I think, you know, as we're reminiscing, we're, we're reminiscing about the the great memories, right? And oh, absolutely, right now, the we, memories. We just don't have a ton at the yeah. at the newer ballpark. Although the structure, I, um, you know, I grew up in Columbus, so we would come down all the time. Um, and you'd come down seventy one, and you come through the tunnel, and when you, I just remember as a kid, you come out of the tunnel. And there it is. There's the new Riverfront Stadium and it had these big pillars and it kind of sat up and it was just like yeah. a palace. It was like, yeah. wow, there it is. And yeah. then you would get in there and you would, you know, AstroTurf at that time, especially in the 70s, I'm oh a little older God. than you, um, yeah. was like yeah. a novelty and it was so bright. Yeah. You got in there like, oh, cool AstroTurf. And I used to think AstroTurf was the coolest thing until I had to play For a sure. football game on it. And For you play sure. a football game on it, and you're like, this stuff stinks. Who invented AstroTurf? <laughs> I know, but, dude, back in the late 70s and early 80s, AstroTurf, as a kid, you know, like the first time I played on AstroTurf, I thought I was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, did I thought you? I was yeah. You know, it's like you're big time now. You play right. on AstroTurf. You're right. Now we look back at it and think about how how much damage it could do to your body. Oh, but man. My, it, it, when you're growing up and going to a Reds game and you see that AstroTurf, you're just like and, – and I always got a kick out of the grounds crew coming out, you know, perfectly raking the baselines or the bases, oh, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, changing the base after like the third inning. Yep. Here comes a beautiful, perfect white base comes out. I used to uh, get a, the biggest kick out of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And you come out of that dark, like whatever section you were in, and then – boom it was like this bright light yeah. of the stadium and the astroturf and it was like here we go yeah wow who were uh you were what and how you played baseball in high school obviously you were yeah you're all state weren't you were you all state yeah yeah that's yeah. what i thought yeah yeah what'd you play yeah, I was probably a better baseball player than i was a football player um just my whole life it just was more a lot more natural for me. Wow. Do you um, ever wonder if you would have taken the baseball route and tried to work your way yeah, through the minor that's leagues? Probably, and I don't, I don't sit around like, uh, think about Polk high much with, uh, you know, thinking of reminiscing about what could have been, but I, 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 I always thought about because I could, for whatever reason, I could just hit a baseball and was very comfortable. I batted left-handed, you know, my dad, taught me at a very young age wait hold right on you were you bat left-handed yeah my really? dad again my dad was a big baseball guy and he he was big on in this era having my my pole hand as my dominant hand and so wow. he taught me the time i picked up a bat he wouldn't let me ever hit right-handed so i i always batted left-handed that's all i really knew and uh yeah and i played that's probably the reason i love davy concepcion and lark i played shortstop most of my life until i got bigger and then i moved to third base um but yeah i i just always always loved it always loved the game i'm the kind of guy like as everyone argues about how long the game takes and if i'm there with people who love baseball or even if i'm just by myself like i can watch the first baseman in between innings throw the ball around to the infielders and i get a kick out of watching like who's got great hands or 
who's taking it serious or who's not just just by watching them in between innings so i have i'm one of those guys that just loves the game like i don't i don't uh i'm not sitting there saying like oh my god sixth inning how much longer we got to do deal with this i i just love the little nuances of the game again just because of the way i was raised yeah well that's wild because i you know I have nothing to do but sit there and look at the nuances of the game and everything else. Yeah. I uh yeah. you mentioned uh first baseman throwing it around between innings. I love the guys that challenge them between innings and throw it hard. I can't stand the first baseman yeah. that just kind of lob a little too it over. lob it's a like little two hopper to a guy. Yeah. I want yeah. someone to whip that thing down there. Yeah. I don't know why, but that's one thing that I if you're watching the nuances of the game, I love. You know what? You, you and I know you and Joey become pretty tight over the years. And one thing I, I haven't gone out to spring training a lot um, since I've become an adult, but I, I did go, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago. And um, I think, again, I saw you the day that I was there. And one of the things I found interesting was on the, when you go in the backfields and you just kind of watch them hit and take, take ground balls. We were there maybe, hour hour and a half just kind of sitting there talking to various people and the the, the players were out in the field and i got the biggest kick out of water not kick just appreciation for watching joey Votto take ground balls for i don't know an hour hour and a half straight like other guys came and went and he had it must just be his you, you would know must be just his routine and the dude would like talk about being challenged. I can't remember if it was Billy Hatcher who was hitting ground balls to him, but I, I was just really impressed with, I guess it's no different than Steph Curry shooting threes, you know, shooting threes, shooting Same threes. Thing. Shooting yep. threes. And he just, he just would not stop. And uh, I, I was just blown away by his, his commitment. And that was like on a Tuesday, right? So oh, I was yeah. just like, he must do this every day. He does it all and, the time. He's a grinder. And uh Yeah. I mean, when he shows up, it's just all business. And, um, yeah, he'll have a day where he'll just set aside, okay, I'm going to work on, I want them to hit it to my right. right. And I want you to hit it so I have to dive at every one. Yeah. Or today I'm going to work, I want you to short hop it to me, to my glove side, uh, so Gee. that I have to, you know, get a bad hop. And I want you to do this over and over and over again. Because wow. he isn't the most gifted of fielders, or not even necessarily the most gifted uh, of natural athlete, I want to say. Even though they yeah. say that he can play, he can hoop, which they yeah. say he's really well, he's good at basketball. he's worked himself into it. Yeah, you know, he's, he's worked himself he, into, like, he won a gold glove, and a lot of that was probably on his hitting prowess, because that's just the way the gold yeah. glove goes. But yeah. you, you can't be horrible that year defensively to win the gold glove. can't be glaringly bad. So he worked tremendously hard on it. Um, awesome. On, on I love I love seeing guys rewarded for that. You know that for that work, whether it's a quarterback, a receiver, a first baseman. I wonder if Lark was that kind of guy. He's so naturally gifted. I wonder if he had to work like that, or he put that kind of time in, or or is just a natural. He, did, he didn't need to work like that. Well, I I think it's a little bit of both. He's certainly naturally gifted. Uh, yeah, you know, Bo Schembechler tried to make yep. him a star in football at that school up north. We yeah, talk about that. I try not to hold that against Barry. 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> there's my Ohio State fandom coming out. Shut up, fanboy. Back up. Um, <laughs> but no, he. you ought to see Larkin work with these youngsters now. If you want to come out and enjoy something at spring training, you know, a lot of former players will come to spring training and a lot of it's eyewash. They'll just kind of stand around. And a lot of guys don't want to, you know, intrude on a player unless the player comes up and asks them to help them. But Barry uh, is in the Reds organization and it's his job to work with these young players. But I'm talking about from 730 in the morning till late afternoon. It's right. All day he works with them. He's fluent wow. in Spanish now, so he's very, very good with a lot of the Latin players that don't speak very much English. He can speak it fluently to them, That's and incredible. he works them to death. And it starts out in the morning with with boxing. He does th- for hand eye coordination. They'll be oh out there God. at seven thirty, eight thirty in the morning, hours before the team's going to do anything, and they're out there working on hand eye coordination with boxing and judo stuff. What, what what's what do you think's kept him from um, wanting to manage? Oh, I think he wants to manage. Uh, he does. I think he does, but he wants to manage the Reds, and um, well, that kind of got to be a sticky topic a little bit. Um, is, is I don't think it's out of the question in the future. Uh, no, that's all right. I I can talk about it. Um, it's because I mean, can can you think of anybody? And I love David Bell, but can you think of anybody? that would feel better as the manager of the Reds than Perry Larkin, like down the road. I mean, it's, I I just figured he didn't want to do it. Well, most people say, you know, these hall of fame players, um, don't make great managers. Yeah. And that Sandberg struggled, right? Yeah. I mean, that might be true with a team, another team, but if he's a manager of the Reds, I always, when people ask me about this, uh, if he was the manager of the Reds, and we're again, we're we're talking years down the road. If it ever happens, who knows? Yeah, down the road. But yeah. he's from Cincinnati. He grew up a Reds fan. He played that's, well, that's his entire career yeah. in a Reds yeah, uniform. I mean, you couldn't so this would be personal to him. It would be part of his legacy that he would. It would go beyond caring about having a salary or just being a manager or being in the game, it would be personal to him. Yeah. Um, and he's got a little hardcore to him, some old school. I think he's going to have to adjust to some of the analytics because that's where the game is, whether you like it or not. you got to get on board with it. I think that there's a, a, a nice mix. You should have a mixture of both. That analytics shouldn't be the end all. Um, but it's, it is very, very useful information, and why not use it? Um, to better, I've seen many players better become better because of it. So I think he would have an adjustment there, but I think he wants to. I mean, he's he's been managing uh, Brazil in the World Baseball Classic. I don't know if you know that. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, Team Brazil. He's been the manager of. Um, so whether it would take him to go and manage in the minor leagues, some be a bench coach. Whether he would want to do that, I don't know. Uh, or maybe this he gets farther removed from the game and it he no longer has that burning desire. I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for him, but um Yeah. Why why isn't over the years, why hasn't he ever been like a, a bench coach on the Reds? Like, you know, like the way Ken Griffey Senior was over the years. Um you know, I don't I, I don't know. I, I think he would just want to just move into the manager seat. Oh, okay. Um, I, I I don't know. 
Um, and it would be tough for whoever the manager is to have Barry Larkin as the bench coach because that's, that's a good, that's a fair point. Things are not going well. And it'd be like, yeah, hey, let's just point. get Larkin there. So that would be, that would be tough on whoever the manager is. It would have to be yeah. a big name manager. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I, uh, I know the players love David Bell. Um, yeah. And he seems to be, yep. Yeah. They, and he's Cincinnati guy through and through and he yeah. takes it personally as well. I mean, he, uh, he bleeds it as well. So, uh, he has some of those same traits. Um, so we'll see uh, if they do play baseball in 2020, they've got a pretty good nucleus and a lot more talent. And that's, boy, that's one of the shames of this whole thing. Um, when you're talking about sports and I, you know, I know. we all know what's important. And so don't come at me with that. But when you look at any year for this to happen, it's like, finally, we got to, I think we got a roster that can compete. Um, but hopefully in 2020, they'll be able to show it. Yeah. We hope you and I were talking a little bit about that. I, I I'd love to see this team have a chance because you're right. This is one of those teams when you saw some of the names that they were able to put together, you're like, Oh, th- th- this team's got a chance. I mean, not, not only the additions, uh, in the field, but the rotation had to be, I think somebody ranked it as the fourth best in major league baseball, at least going in on paper. Yeah. Um, and when, when you have a rotation like that, we haven't seen that in a long time. Um, long, so, long yeah, time. you got to go back to probably 1990 or maybe. Yeah. Mid, I mean, mid-90s. I was thinking Edison Volquez and Cueto and who else? The guy with the tattoos, uh, Lados. <laughs> yeah. I think he was on that squad. Well, yeah, that, that, that year. That, that was a pretty good. No, that was. I, I should I should not exclude them. You are absolutely right. And they had five starters outside of one double and, header, which they had to bring in one pitcher as the 26th man. They had five starters that went the whole year. They, yeah, I think there was a young – wasn't young Homer Bailey with that, with on that that group? I mean, it, that was a pretty good group. Yeah, it was – uh, <clears throat> Cueto and I don't think Volquez was a part of that anymore, but it was Cueto and Latos and Homer Bailey and Arroyo and I think Mike Leak. Okay, Mike Leak. Yeah, that's probably right. Uh, but that's it was just pretty, off the top that, of my that head. Was probably the last time we had a rotation that you know yeah. it was like every every guy that went out. You, right. You, know, you thought you thought they had a chance to win the game. But outside of Cueto at that point and flashes of Homer Bailey, I'm not. I mean these. How many years, Herbie, did we have where not only, you know, it's like, all right, who's going to be the opening day starter? Not only that, but goodness, who's going to be three, four, and five? You legitimately have three guys that could be opening day starters on this team. I know. And not feel badly about it, whether it be Castillo or Bauer or Sonny Gray. I know. When Uh, Castillo is cranking, he's, he's maybe as good as there is in the game. Oh, he's fun to watch because I, you know. You remember watching Mario Soto making people look yeah. sick with that changeup. Yeah. He's got the same changeup. It's just, I know. It's he's coming ninety seven, ninety eight, and then from the same arm slot, he drops that changeup, pulls the string, and they're out in their front. Oh, it's, yeah, it's beautiful you know? to watch. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. He's, he's, uh, he's young too, right? He's yeah, pretty young. Oh yeah, oh yeah. How about that trade, Dan? Dan Straley. I know. God love Hopefully. Dan Straley, but. They turned Dan. Hopefully, we can hold on to him for a while. Let's hope so. I love that you say we. Yeah. <laughs> I dig that. Oh yeah. Uh, I, now you said Concepcion. I'm sorry, Concepcion was your guy at first. He was the first player you loved. 
Yeah, I mean, growing up, I grew up right in that, you know, in the middle of the Big Red Machine. So everybody loved Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and all those guys. But because I played shortstop, I I just gravitated to Davey. And I, I just loved his swag, too. I, I loved how he... I loved how he walked. I loved how he walked up to the batter's box. I loved how he crossed himself. I, I, I loved how he, he created the one hopper of the AstroTurf throw. Oh, I was just, I was just going to ask you about that. Cause we talked about AstroTurf. Yeah, that, that I, I loved how he turned two and he would get elevated, you know, and, oh, and, yeah. and, and he was just, he was just kind of like when I watched the last dance, the reason I love MJ besides how great he was, is just the style and the way he played. Um, and his, as goofy as our all black shoes looked and then he'd go to the all-star game and pull out some red ones or white ones yeah. or whatever, you know, but, but he still just, it was the way he looked and like, they didn't have Oakley's back then. They wore those old, you know, glasses where they, they kind of, yeah, the flips where he, they it went up over the hat in the back and I don't know, man, for, for the late early to mid seventies into the early eighties. I mean, Davey Concepcion was about as sweet, as, as you could look and, and, and play. I yeah. just loved him. I know he didn't have the, you know, he wasn't hitting 320 or he didn't, his numbers, you know, aren't maybe as good as some of the other guys, but I, I just, I just loved the way he carried himself. Oh, I think there's he, no doubt. He was a joy to watch. And he, I mean, he, he made, he would go to the other side of second base to make a play and oh just God. make it effortless. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how, how spoiled in Cincinnati that we went from Concepcion and passed the torch to Larkin. <laughs> By the way, Kurt Stillwell almost took Larkin. Almost. Out. In fact, Kurt Stillwell had number 11 at first. Yes. Larkin, yeah. I think, was 15 or something like yep. that. And remember the big debate? Okay, who are we going to keep? Is, yeah. is it going to be Stillwell or is it going to be Larkin? I know. Or is Larkin going to be the second baseman? Yeah, that was a huge, huge uh, deal back then. Yeah. I was. So, I loved uh, – I went to Bud Middall's camp uh, up in Michigan. I know you, you said don't say it, but I, I went up there. I lived in Franklin, Ohio, and I was in, like, I don't remember if it was fifth, sixth grade, maybe sixth or seventh, and I went up to uh, Bud Middall's baseball camp, and Barry Larkin was a freshman at Michigan, and he was one of the camp counselors, and God, they and they had a summer team that played. So part of our activity was we'd do the camp, and then at night they'd have a game. And Lark, picture Lark, and he's fresh out of Moeller High School. And um, I had no idea he was going to become Barry Larkin and the Cincinnati Reds. I just loved watching him play. Like from watching him, and you know, the week I was there during that camp. And um, you're right. If anybody had to fill the shoes of, of Davy Concepcion. I bet there's about one guy that could do that. And it was, that was Barry Larkin. They're, they're, those two are probably my favorite reds of all time. I would probably say, I, don't, I love Derek Davis, but as far as consistency, it'd probably be those two. Yeah. And the thing about Larkin too, is you could hit him lead off. Second, oh, yeah. And back, yeah. back when the, there was an art form to hitting it to the right side, moving a runner over, he would give, oh, it, yeah. he would give himself up a thousand times uh, to do that. You could hit him he could, third. He could steal bases, He too. could steal I mean, bases. If you needed power, it, he could hit he for hit power. power. Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah, it all. He, he, was more, he was more of an acrobat in his prime, too. Like, if he went yeah. into the hole or, you know, if he, if he had to make a play, turn two. Like, he was, he was obviously a, a, a better athlete. I think he had better range than, than Davey Concepcion. 
but um, and he obviously better at the plate, more more as you said, I think he had more versatility at the plate. But uh, Hall of Fame dude, I mean just just an incredible incredible athlete. Whole family's great athletes, right? Oh yeah, Byron's still the all time leading scorer, I believe, at Xavier. Yeah, uh, basketball and those uh, you talk to them and they had legendary stories. Those brothers playing pickup games, whether it be baseball, football, basketball, whatever. They're all imagine. great athletes. Can you imagine those guys going at it on a Thanksgiving Day <laughs> game? Oh, my gosh. Was I think there was a Mike Larkin. I, I think there was an older uh, yeah. Larkin, too, that was a, a great football player. Yeah, pretty pretty good genes uh, in, oh. in the Larkin family. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So you um, – let's see. Centerville, you went to high school. But you, you moved around a little bit in Ohio, right, when you were Yeah, Yeah, I, I moved around quite a bit. Um Let's see. I, I grew up in Trotwood when I was younger in the Dayton area. And then I moved to Centerville for a couple of years. My mom got remarried. I moved to, to Franklin. I uh, lived down there for a few years. Then she got divorced. And I moved in with my dad in Cincinnati, Wyoming for about a year. Then he got divorced. And I ended up moving back to, uh, to Centerville. My dad pretty much approached me in the middle of eighth grade. He told me he's getting a divorce. He said, you've been through a lot, a lot of different stuff. Where do you want to go to high school? Wherever you want to go, you want to go to Moeller, you want to go to Princeton, or you want to go to Centerville. And um, I was an incredibly shy kid. Sports were my outlet. Sports were my outlet. Gym class and recess were the way I made friends. And so I, I was really quiet uh, and introvert. So I said Centerville only because – I lived there before, and so I thought I might know a couple people. So that was the whole reason uh, that I ended up moving back up to Centerville. So I, I moved there at the end of my eighth grade year, and I went to high school uh, all four years uh, at Centerville, up, again, up in the Dayton area. So, yeah, I'm an, I'm an elk. Uh-oh. Can't imagine. Why, looking back, if you had gone to, like, Moeller X. I know. Wow. I know. I know, but you know, what's funny when I think back at high school about like when it comes to the Reds, I, I, my, my buddies would make fun of me because this isn't, you know, in the early stages was like run DMC and, you know, Bobby Brown and music that, that was kind of the music you, you'd listen to in your car. Yeah. And, um, and if you got into my car on a Friday night and we're going to a party or something, listen to the game, <laughs> well, I either had the game on. Or I would have Chris Collinsworth or Andy Furman on WLW. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, I, or I'd have, um, what's the show uh, at the end of the game? Um, they would have a show where they would have, Furman would be on there sometimes. The extra or, innings. It's called extra, extra innings, innings now. Yeah. yeah, extra innings. I mean, I, I, my, my, my car radio was on 700 WLW. That was, that was all it was ever on. Yeah. And so the, I said, the dude my friends would get my on car, me too. Yeah. Like, yeah, if they got into my car, like, yeah, man, we're going. All of a sudden, like, what are we listening to, you know? And <laughs> it was either the Reds in the fifth inning and Marty oh, yeah. or Joe or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so people did everything in their power not to get into uh, into the car with me because they wanted to, to jam out to yeah. some music. I was the same way, and I'm a music connoisseur. I love music. I mean, people yeah. that know me know that yeah. about me. But – if there was one thing back then that would trump it, it would be that. And my friends, yeah. I remember sticking up for, uh, oh, you're just jogging my memory here, riding around with my friends, listening to Red's game, and, you know, it would be Joe's inning. 
And Joe yeah. might be saying, here's a fly ball left, right, center, right, <laughs> left. And he'd screw it up names. And they'd be making yeah. fun of Joe, and I'd be taking it. Per- Don't you make fun of Joe. Oh, yeah. I'll let oh, you yeah. out on the corner right now, and you can walk. Yeah, We make fun sure. of Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, Joe had obviously his own style, and he was oh, your yeah. guy, right? I yeah. Mean, as a Reds fan. But what was funny, I mean, you'd go from Marty, who was just like, you know, just everything, right? And then I'd always get a kick out of it. If I was busy, and then I'd jump into the car, and I'd start the car, and, and you know, you'd hear, like, peanuts. Oh, yeah. You know it was Joe's inning. You'd hear nothing yeah. for eight seconds. You know it was Joe and calling it. And the 1-1. One, one. That's exactly ball, right. Ball. <laughs> That's exactly right. He would. It was just these contrasting styles that actually meshed perfectly. Oh, man. Because but with dude, Marty, you would get, dude, you know, just perfect calls. And then Joe, you'd like, get the ambiance of the, the atmosphere. If it was like the eighth or ninth inning and the Reds hit a home run, to, I mean, some of my, to this day, my favorite moments were Marty. There's a drive. Hit back in a deep left center field. This ball's got a chance. Get out of here. Get out of here. I can hear Joe, like Joe in the background. Get up, baseball. Get up, baseball. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, it was like, and back then there was no internet and you, like, couldn't just dial it up. Like, right. You know, I, I would sit around and listen to Marty do his wrap-up. To, to hear and here's the Frisch's big boy big boy play of the game exactly. the two one the Larkin that ball's hit and I'd be like ah I get to relive it again that was the only way you could relive it yeah was you had to sit there and listen to the to the entire you know you hear star of the game where Joe'd go down there stumble down there and talk to whoever whoever was the star of the game and then and then you go Marty go through the American League you know da 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 We'll be back with the National League after that. You're like, all right, let's get this freaking National League. Here we go. And then he's like, and then then they finally get to our game. And he break it down and go through the entire. Do you guys still do that? They go through the entire book, like in the third inning, the Reds, you know. Not extensive. quite as extensively, but they do. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, he would go some. through the entire deal. Oh right? yeah, and back then you didn't have, you couldn't look up the scores. Yeah. So, dude, I was an idiot. Not an idiot. I, in middle school, my hobby was listening to Marty and Joe, and the games just started to come on TV a little bit more. I can't remember what network started to cover the Reds a little bit, like in the early to mid-80s. But you could, I'd watch the Reds, I'd turn off the audio on the TV, I'd listen to Marty and Joe, I'd order a pizza, and I'd sit down, and I'd get my... my uh, those of you keeping uh, score at home, that's six, four, three, and you know, whatever. And I would sit there and I would keep score of the games. I knew every National League lineup off the top of my head. Like you would say, Padres. I'd be like, boom, 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 boom. Like San Francisco Giants, Houston Astros. I, I would wait till the, um, you know, the broadcast started. He'd go over the lineups, and I'd put them in. And that was actually inter- think of my kids would rather be hitting their stomach than with a baseball bat. <laughs> Score scoring games has gone by the wayside game. unfortunately i'd even put when marty would say put a star by that one i'd put a star by it <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. he was always talking to the people that were scoring the game oh yeah or he would oh, yeah. he would spell out a, a person's name if it was you know a different yeah. name 
or if a guy, if the ball deflected off the pitcher, hit the second baseman, or, or you know, he'd be like, you know, if that's a one to four to six to three double play there, you know, you'd be right. one. Make sure I get that in real good. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize it hit the pitcher. All right, I got that one started at one. Absolutely. Uh, well, that's where when he comes on before he, or he used to come on. It's, I'm not even used to him not. Working. Yeah. But um, when he used to come on, that's where he would say. Where, where this came from, if you're ready now, the starting lineups. Like, yeah. if you're ready to write them down, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he repeats it twice because yeah. you're the people that are scoring at home. And oh, back then, a God. lot of people did. Oh, I know. Back then, you'd go to the ball games, and there'd be women in the stands, like, like grandmas. They'd have their book out. They're keeping score. They're listening to Marty. Oh, you have to get a program. Get, get a program because you got the scorecard in there. Keeping score of the game. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It was so so different. Simpler dude. times, simpler times. I, know. I, I mean, know. our attention span now is about thirty seconds as a society. Pops, pops. So, yeah. I love baseball. I always will. Doesn't matter if it's today's game or the games of the past. Uh, I love the game. So, and yeah. I tell you, that. still love it as well because I'll get a text mid-game. Oh yeah, and you'll be ticked off that. <laughs> 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 I love it. I love. I it. usually I, don't hear from you when they're doing well. I hear from you when something's gone wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. It's like you've got to vent to someone. I know you text. I do. Tom Brenneman as well. <laughs> I do. I text Sam in the middle of the game. I text. <laughs> <laughs> Just I get worked up, man. I I get frustrated sometimes. It's like yeah. That's the same but thing. But it's they're, I feel like the Reds are like my child. You know what I mean? Like I, I I've loved them for so long. Like yeah. I mean, you you and I are there aren't a whole lot of guys like me, you and Tom. You know what I mean? As far as like just love the Reds, and I actually I mean they, when I say there aren't a lot, there's obviously a ton of Reds fans. But I'm talking about you know people that bounce around in different sports. Uh, and push comes to shove, the, the Reds are still number one in their heart. And I think the great thing about Cincinnati, and I always tell people, you know, when I travel around about about Cincinnati, especially when I was growing up, what a great baseball city it is. You know, and I, I would ask you, is it still a great baseball city? I, I know it was. Um, when I see the attendance sometimes, it makes me kind of scratch my head. I don't know if that's just frustration that the team hasn't been winning for the last five or six years, or it's a combination of um, the cost to go to a ball game, or if it's, Hey, we might as well just stay at home, not deal with the traffic. We get every game on TV, which you guys do a great job with. I, I don't know, but I, I know St. Louis, they there seems like they're sold out every game and yeah. a lot of other markets um, do I've, a pretty good job. I think it's a lot of factors. Now, I can't explain the Cincinnati versus St. Louis factor other than the Cardinals have consistently won. They're always, I mean, yeah, they're always they're up there. always winning. So um, the ballpark, if the Reds were consistently winning year in and year out, I think the you would have uh, much better attendance numbers. Um, because that didn't happen, there's a number of factors. One, the, the home viewing experience has never been better as far as a giant yeah. HD screen yeah. and being able to flip a channel if you want or go to your refrigerator and not have to go and mess with parking and not have to pay the high concessions and the high ticket prices, uh, the smaller market, um, 
you know, this, if you compare this market to other markets, the, just the average income is not as high as other cities uh, would be a factor. Because if you look at our TV numbers, even when the Reds have struggled, as far as percentages go, we're in the top 10 in baseball and sometimes the top five of viewership. For, so that's never gone away. Yeah. And living here, you still see Reds hats everywhere, Reds shirts, Reds jerseys. Opening day is still crazy. Um, you know, the radio numbers are have been fantastic. The Reds radio network, one of the biggest in baseball. Um then what the heck is it? Is just all those other got, things? You yeah, I, yeah. If they win, I think they will come back. Now, whether it's consistently, you know, even when back when they were winning, you look back at April games, midweek, May games, midweek, school still yeah. in. Uh, there still weren't giant, giant crowds in Cincinnati. So it's always been um, one of those things where it, it hasn't been always well attended. But as far as interest goes... I think they're they're just as there's just as many interested people in the Reds and they're they're just as big in this town and it's still a baseball town in my estimation. Yeah, it's just right. changed. I, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting and I and I do agree that if they win, um, they'll come back. Gotta you know, win, I, I, man! You gotta win. Yeah, you know, and I I, I feel like. You know, I, I remember when I used to go to games and look at Riverfront, and if the, the middle of the green seats, if they if they were all the way out in center field, it was always like about thirty two thousand people or so. And think about thirty two thousand people coming to a, a game today. That would be a really really big crowd, right? Oh yeah, uh, I mean that's a near sellout. It only holds forty. What, two? Yeah, yeah, and and you know there are certain series that that draw better than others, but man, yeah. it'd be great to get back to. Darn near every home game yeah. is there are 28, so 28 many, to 32,000. Yeah. So many other things to do now that yeah. weren't wasn't back then. And again, I can't yeah. explain the St. Louis thing other than they have won consistently and they do fill up that ballpark constantly. Yeah. Um, so kudos to them. But there's so much competition for your attention now. I mean, it's, it's incredible. To get 30,000 people in one spot for one goal – is tough today. It's just yep. hard. You look at NFL attendance; it's gone down. Yeah, uh, attendance uh, across the nation and sports in general have gone down. Now, you know, Ohio State football, Alabama football, Clemson football, those powerhouses in college football—they're uh, always going to fill up the joint. And there's yeah far, far less home games. Yeah, they've in football six or seven home yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. Um, but attendance has gone down nationwide in sports just because no, there's so many other entertainment options. I, I think it's not just there's so many people just have their phones you know and and they can keep yeah. track of what they want to keep track of unless it's like a certain pitcher or a certain opponent or oh man the reds you know they really need a big series this week against the cardinals let's go down and check out you know the reds and the cardinals this weekend like you know if it's if it's something like that um, I think they still have the potential to draw well, but if we ever get back to just having normal baseball and the Reds are sitting there and you know either in first place or right in the in the thick of things in the wild card race and you're into August and September, you know I, I think you'll you'll see people come down there and still go out and support them. You no, know, I don't think there's ahead. any doubt. I mean, you, you don't have to look 
you know, back to the 90s um, for it. The Reds went to the playoffs three out of four years and won the division in 2010 and 2012. They literally had the team that could have won the World Series. That was uh, just a killer. They were like was, that two, the, was that the Posey home run? Yeah, yeah two games to none uh, we against up, the we Giants. Had to win one of three in Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was just a killer, and that was the year the the pitching staff we were talking about. Yeah, uh, the Giants went on to Buster win the World Posey Series. Hit a, hit a home run. Yeah, uh, and Hunter Pence rallied the troops. It's just painful. They literally yeah. had a team that could have won the World Series that year. But yeah. those three out of four years, you know, they the, the place was the attendance was good. So yeah. if you win, yeah. I think they'll come back. Uh, it's, yeah. it, it'll be a a much smaller. Matriculation is that the right word? I just went Hank yeah. Stram. I just went Hank, yeah, Stram. Hank Stram. Matriculate the ball <laughs> down the field, boys. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, I think it'll be slower that they'll come back, but they will come back. And I, man, yeah. I hope to see it because uh, this place will go crazy if they have a winner. We'll go crazy. Yeah. Let's hope we we get a chance to see that this year. Oh, would love it. I, I, you know, what? I'll take any baseball, uh, even without fans. Uh, yeah. But we'll see. There's a lot of uh, decisions still to be made, and we we will see. What, what do you think about college football, man? I, um, you know, I I I think they're. Uh, I think it's going to depend on how these phases go. You know, like phase one. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know with with Jake and Ty who are at Clemson. You know, they're in contact with with Coach Sweeney and and their staff every day, and. I think they're they're all making contingency plans. You know, I think there's if phase one goes well, you know, you know, we're opening up campuses. You know, we're we're still doing social distancing, and we're gonna we're gonna ease players back on campus. And I'm not saying Clemson, but I think a lot of people are thinking, let them work out ten guys at a time for two weeks, and we'll do it in phases. And then after that, if everything goes okay, and people aren't getting sick, you know, we'll go through that for two. Then we'll go up to 50 guys in the weight room at a time. Again, social distancing. There's a lot to, to, to micromanage and, and to watch, but I think, you know, I think the powers to be are determined to try to put their best foot forward and try to have a season. I just don't think they can predict because nobody has a crystal ball because the data is what it is. Right. Right. So as the data comes back, you know, the next, I think these next three or four or five weeks are going to be really telling for not just college football or MLB, but for the country, because everybody's getting to that point where it's like, okay, I'm over this. I'm done. We're good. Let's, let's kind of, let's go out. I know down in Tennessee, they're opening up restaurants. They're opening up bars. Same thing here in Ohio. Yep. Yeah, they have rules and regulations and social distancing and all that, and um, but they are opening up the malls and hair salons, and so you know, with that, as the, you know, as numbers are still going up, you know, as far as cases and people that are dying, it'd be interesting to see how these numbers either stay the same or they go down or they go up significantly. What what'll happen? Um, I think all those answers in the next month, a month and a half, are going to dictate, at least in our sport, what will happen probably if they have to pull back or if they can keep going to that next step. Yeah, and the uh, gosh, the problem with it is no one, 
you know, you can have as many experts and as many models as you want, but this is unprecedented. Uh, you just don't know. I mean, right. it's a it's a hundred year every hundred year event at this point. Yeah, um, they don't, and things were way different back then. So we're living a much different society now than the last time a pandemic like this hit. Um, yeah. It, no one knows. That's the thing. That's a, yeah. That's what the the scary thing is. Well, so. and, and the, the the thing is, if if you do go forward, you know, and I think it's smart to kind of ease, you know, phase one, phase two, you know, just to ease back in. Mm-hmm. But if they were ever to have an NFL season or an MLB season or or a college football season, my question is, what'll happen if an assistant coach gets it, or what happens if a player gets it? And they get really sick. You know, yeah. what would happen? We saw the NBA, you and I were talking before we started, the NBA had Rudy Gorbet have it asymptomatic, didn't have anything. And they shut that entire operation, the whole league shut down. In fact, that, I think within 24 hours, NBA, NHL, ACC tournament, SEC tournament, Big Ten, I think everything kind of reacted. It was like a big domino. And I think that's my question is we've had eight, 10 weeks of data since that. Okay. How is it going to be different if they try to play baseball or they try to play football and somebody gets it? How is it going to be different this time from what happened with the NBA, you know, or or will they have to shut things down if somebody gets it? Yeah. And those questions uh, really haven't been answered. And, you know, I'm not sure. I I honestly I'm not getting information. So I don't know what's going to happen. People think that I have uh, inside information and I do not. Um, so I'm waiting like everyone else, although I will be heavily involved. At least I hope um, it'll be a different, different world if they play this year. But um, we'll just have to see. I mean, it's not yeah. <clears throat> need to put it in the what's more important. Um, certainly right. sports are down on the list, but just. I just worry about the country and the economy. And if we have to, oh, yeah. if we open things up and then you have to shut it back down, that's might be worse than opening it back up. So I, um, yeah. Or shutting yeah, it and, down the first time. It might be worse than I should say. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's crazy, man. But I, en- I enjoyed reminiscing with you. You had me smiling from ear to ear talking about riverfront stadium and Marty and Joe and AstroTurf and, all these players from the past, uh, oh, man. the green seats, it, the man. red seats, the blue seats, the yellow love seats. It. <laughs> I yeah. love all of it. I we, mi- talk- we miss those seats, right? We miss yeah. The blue and the oh, green and the yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I regret that I didn't get any seat from Riverfront. I know that they're yeah. still out there and they can be had, but I need, I need a blue or green seat from Riverfront. If someone would like to donate to the Jim Day Fund a Riverfront Stadium seat, please. What did they do with all those seats? Did fans just buy them up? I think they did. In fact, you know what? I I want a red seat only because that's the first seat I sat in as a kid. Yeah, I was in the red seats. Be in my brothers. I've told this story before. My brothers have never. I have older brothers. I'm the youngest of five, and I had to sit above Pete Rose. I would Riverfront had just opened. I was a little kid, little whiny kid. And I cried because I wanted to sit above Pete Rose, and he was playing right field that day. <laughs> and, oh my god! And there were tickets available in the green, you know, behind like the Reds dugout. And my brothers were so bad because I was crying. I had to sit above Pete Rose. So we were way up in the red seats. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, my first memory is way up in the red seats. So I, I should probably That's- have a red seat. 
Now, he was playing right field? On that day, he was playing right. Yeah, he was playing in the outfield. This was prior to 75 when Sparky moved him to third base to get Foster in the lineup. Yeah. So this was probably 71, maybe? I, I thought he was a left 72. fielder. Didn't he he was, field? yeah, but I think he moved. This particular day, he was in right field. I'll never forget okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah, he was primarily a left fielder before in 75 when they moved him to third base. But okay. he came up as a second baseman. My gosh. Oh, yeah, he played all over the place. Second yeah. base. Second the base. Outfield. All the outfield. Uh, third base, first base with the Phillies. Remember, he used to with the oh, Phillies. I, he used to spike the ball. I honestly, I think that's why when I when I asked me about the big red machine, it has nothing to do with gambling on baseball. It has everything to do with him being with the Phillies and freaking spiking the baseball <laughs> at the third out. I couldn't stand him. And his long hair yes. and, and all that like that had more of an impact on me as, as being in my teen my teenage years than it than it did him being. 1975 and 76 when he was just a stud for the Reds. Yeah. I, I could not take the hair and the spiking of the baseball. I <laughs> so cocky. I he, he's the epitome. If he's on your team, you love him. Oh, no doubt. If he's off your team and not on your team. You can't stand him. And I, yeah. I, you know, even when he came back in, what was it? 84, 85, 86, whenever that, that, that second stint when he was manager player. Yeah. And he came up, you know, with his hit legendary hit. I was still one foot in and one foot out. Really, I could, I could not get over those <laughs> Phillies teams. I could just couldn't do it. Oh uh, yeah, that it was it was tough when he he went away and they traded away Perez and. Oh, uh, uh, but I'm but I'm just talking about just. I mean, we lost Morgan, all those guys. Oh yeah, something about he's just such a competitor, right? And when he's with yeah. your team, you love the guy. Yep. And when he's not, man, oh my gosh! He'd spike that ball. I would. Oh my spike goodness! Spike the ball. Could you imagine yeah. him spiking the ball down? Be, oh, and <laughs> Will Clark had a and Will Clark had a cockiness about him too. Is when he would come off on the third out. It's funny how guys stick in your mind about how they how they would uh, carry themselves as as players. Will Clark was super cocky. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, well, listen, man, I've uh, kept you long enough, I think. I appreciate the insight. We're over an hour here, like an hour, okay, man. hour and ten in, but we're going to have to do this again sometime. Yeah. Especially yeah, if this madness continues. For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure. Hopefully we'll get some baseball to talk yeah. about before it's all said and done. Absolutely. If, if there is, I'll, I'll see you up in Cincinnati. I can't wait for that. Uh, if they play baseball yeah. and there are fans in the stands, I know eventually Kirk Herb Street will make his way there. I will be there. And if I, they let us come, I'll be there. And that's Kirk with a K. Yes. People drop Kurt on you. Yo, for sure. <laughs> Corsos drops a Kurt on you. <laughs> oh, man. I go by Herb Kirk Street a lot, too, just to, just to keep everybody honest. <laughs> Oh, I love it, man. I appreciate it. And uh, go Reds. And, go uh, Reds. Go Herbie. We'll throw, yeah. in, we'll throw in a go Bucks too, for people. Yeah, yeah. Go Bucks. I root for the Bearcats, too, so don't get all up in arms, people. Well, we Luke Fickle, he's a Buckeye. You got to do you, that. Oh, he's, how about he's a former teammate, right? Yeah. Doing absolutely. a great job. He sure is. Him and Braves. Braves is 
Reeves is kicking butt down here in Nashville. He took his team to the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Did you think he was head coach material? Oh, uh, Braves? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even as a player, you really? knew he was going to be head coach. I thought he'd be a head coach at Ohio State. Um, but let me just tell you, as a Bengals fan, I'm a big Bengals fan. I, I will tell you that Pac-Man Jones and Vontez Perfect sit. Once I moved to Nashville, I've kind of adopted uh, the Titans with Braves being there, and th- those guys kind of sent me uh, down the down my merry way. Uh, just it was one thing that the Bengals would lose. It's another thing with the personal fouls and the late hits, right. just the way they carried themselves. So I'm I'm excited that Joe's there. I think Joe has a chance to to bring them back. And I, and I, I really think that the new coaching staff's going to do a good job there. Zach Taylor, I've covered him as a player in Nebraska. And uh, I think his system fits Joe and what they do. They have some athletes now. They, they, yeah. they could, they, they could have a fun year this year. Do you think Burrow, uh, what a, I mean, what a season I, he had last year. I think he's going to be incredible. I think he's going to be a great pro. If, if, you know, it'd be great if he had AJ green and, you know, providing he's got some guys to throw to, but um, I think the system that they ran at LSU is going to be very similar to what he's going to be asked to do uh, in Cincinnati. So that, that to me is the key. It's like Andy Reid. Andy Reid went from being his entire coaching career a West Coast guy, and then he decided to go out and draft Patrick Mahomes, and he said, "The heck with Patrick Mahomes learning how to be Joe Montana. We're gonna we're gonna change our offense to a." Big 12 air raid offense. We're going to, we're going to become Texas tech, you know, and to his credit, it's, it's really worked out, but it says a lot about Andy Reid. He's willing to, to change after all the success he had as being a West coast coach. And I think that's, that's the ticket. That's the way the kind of the NFL is headed right now. And coaches that get that instead of making a quarterback that ran a different system, adjust to me, I'm an expert. I'm in the NFL. Uh, they're starting to, to change that around and and try to adjust their scheme to the strengths of the quarterback that they they've drafted. And I think you'll see that with uh, with Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor. I think you'll see uh, Taylor will have him run a very similar system that they ran at LSU. Well, it would be smart. And I think I, I agree with you. That's the route they're going. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, and again, I hope they play as well. So yeah. 2020 yeah. what a interesting time and no not doubt only our history but sports in general it's going to be interesting to see how we look back on 2020 if they play um just so many unanswered questions but one question that is always answered is that you bring in the quality content congratulations <laughs> on what has been a great broadcasting career uh thank you for remembering the little people like me coming oh, on coming on this Stop podcast it. so i love it man anytime you want to talk let me know i'd love right. to join you all right I, I will take you up on that i promise and, you i will take you up give on that. marty give tom and marty a hug for me next time you see them oh there's no chance of a hug no chance <laughs> <laughs> if you know anything about the brennemans they're not real touchy-feely they're, yeah n- there's no hugs going on uh it's more like uh give them a, a verbal jab and that that's like giving now, him is love. Tom, is Tom huggy feel? Is he huggy with his uh, his family? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, there's not a lot of hugging with coworkers at the ballpark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he probably would though, much more than Marty. 
Marty. Marty's not having that. No, no. He would like he would give you grief if you if you tried to hug him. But God love him. You know, he. I, I take those verbal jabs, the badge of honor. He still sends them to me all the time via text or phone call. Just I'll rips me apart. You. He crushes He'll me. Crush you. He does. But that's that's his way of showing you he loves you. Uh, I hope so. If that's if that's his way of showing he loves me, then man, he loves me more than anyone <laughs> on this earth. <laughs> oh, wow, does he love me? Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I will. I will give him a uh, a Brenneman version of a hug. How about that? Yeah, both of them. That's perfect. All right. Perfect. I, I will give them uh, your best from from you to them. So, you got uh, it, man. All right, you guys stay safe and healthy that down there. Good luck to the fam. Good luck to your sons and sports and at Clemson Thanks, and bud. the younger ones. Uh, we'll be following them as well. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. You got it, buddy. That Talk is Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, if you'd like to follow along on Instagram and Twitter, at Jim Day TV. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Jim Day Podcast, and we will see you on down the road. <laughs>